Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the True Achievements podcast. It's a 10th history special. With me, as you might expect, I am joined by Rich. Hello. Hi. Good job I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Quite weird. Yeah. Not someone else. <laughs> Ollie in. Uh, so the plan is we've got some questions that we've come up with and then uh, we've obviously taken some questions from yourselves. So we should be able to cover everything from the start of the site. Challenges, good bits, bad bits. Where we going? Mm. And everything in between. <laughs> where we've been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so let's start off simple. How did the idea for the site come around? Okay, so we are talking back in early 2008. So, yeah, just over 10 years ago, obviously. Um, <laughs> the idea came about because I was, I was working for a travel company in London, and I was living in South London quite a way out. My commute was about an hour. And the 360 had been out for a while. So I had a nice long commute to listen to podcasts. Podcasts were a relatively new thing at that time as well. But I was totally sucked in by that world. There were people talking about very niche things that I would never be able to hear on the radio or read about in, well, I suppose you could get specialist magazines, but to actually hear people discussing games and not just games, but games on the console that I was playing on at the time. I, I absolutely loved that and I could you know feel empathy for those guys how they were feeling the games they were playing i was pretty on top of the gaming world i was buying games certainly the big AAA titles as soon as they came out on my 360 i loved it i thought it was brilliant and obviously they the 360 came with this brand new thing of achievements and a lot of the xbox focused podcasts i was listening to such as three red lights which was the igm one uh, brilliantly named after the <laughs> hardware failure <laughs> of the Xbox 360. Uh, and there was a couple of small UK ones that I used to listen to as well. And while everyone talked about games, there was always a discussion about achievements and gamer score that went alongside that. And that's, I really loved that because it was, as a statsy person, I went to university and did a stats maths course. So stats has been part of my blood since I was tiny. I love numbers and things you can do with numbers. So gamer score was like one big number. I thought, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and then it became relatively obvious pretty pretty soon after listening to podcasts when I'd hear a host, I think it was on Three Red Lights, and they were saying, oh, man, I got another 500 Gs last night. You know, I've, I've been playing the Simpsons game, and it became clear that they'd had to do very, very little effort to to get their 500 points um and they'd raced ahead of of their co-host who was getting stuck into guitar hero <laughs> <laughs> you know he'd only got like 50 the night before even though he'd been playing it for five hours straight and was an amazing guitarist and it just didn't seem fair that people were comparing this this one number with another number and and the only you know you could be better than the other guy just by playing much easier games yeah and for me that just seemed well, it didn't seem wrong. It just seemed not massively fair. And being a stats guy, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a better way to come up with a scoring system for this that's a bit more a bit more proportional to the difficulty that of the achievements that you're working towards. So that was the original concept. I, I had my, my podcast, and then bizarrely at the same time, I was training to do a swimathon. So at lunchtimes, I'd wander down to the pool, uh, in London, and uh, I just do. I tell you what, training for a swimathon is the most boring thing you can ever do in your entire <laughs> life. You literally just swim lengths. 
backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And this was before the age of waterproof headphones and <laughs> waterproof MP3 players. There was literally nothing to hear and nothing to listen to. So I was just going backwards and forwards. And I was thinking at that point, I thought if I could get the data for the number of people that have played the game um, and then find the number of people that would also unlock the achievement, then I could come up with some sort of ratio that would tell me how hard or at least how rare that achievement was within the game. So if loads of people had unlocked an achievement uh, in the game, let's say there's 100 people with the game and all 100 have unlocked that achievement, then that achievement's got to be pretty straightforward. But if there's only one person out of that 100 that has unlocked that achievement, that's got to be a really difficult achievement. And that one guy deserves better recognition for his efforts. So that was the genus of the idea that came to me while I was lapping <laughs> in the water <laughs> and, um, and then a weird thing happened the company i work for which was a long-haul travel specialist uh, you know, a reasonably big company about 100 people uh, and i was the it manager they got bought mainly because i did such a brilliant job of, of making their website <laughs> fantastic we had the first long-haul website that you could actually book a holiday on so that made absolute fortunes and they got bought by a much bigger player in the travel market and as as often happens with when a big company buys a small one, they wanted to integrate all of our staff into their own existing systems. We had lots of specialist little systems that we used, most of which I'd written myself. So they wanted to move all of those off onto their systems so that they could ditch support. And it was about a six-month changeover period. So I had about six months where I didn't really have to do a great deal. I just made sure everything was ticking over. Right. Uh, so, and, I, <laughs> and as part of my job, as I say, I was IT manager and I'd built their websites. I'd built all the servers as well. And I ran all of that stuff myself. So I was the only one with access to all those boxes that were just sat in the room <laughs> next to me. So I was like, hmm, I could build a little website on this and no one will ever know, which was almost true. I would have got away with it. <laughs> and we'll come on to why I didn't a little bit later. But I built that. I built a little page. and I, Well, first of all, I built the scanner. So I had to get the data. That was the key issue. Initially, there was just a load of web pages. Um, so for a time, xbox.com had just like they do now they had a, your, your list of games that you've played and then you could click through and see the achievements you've won in them and i realized that i could write a little html scraper so i could if i had an if i had the your gamer tag stored i knew i could work out what page on xbox.com your games list would be because it was a, it was a, the same structure for everybody yeah, uh, and there was no privy. I don't think there was any privacy settings or anything, and you didn't have to look. No, now, if I want to look at your page, I have to log into Xbox.com to see it. Yeah, but back then you didn't. You could just go to anyone's page, and then you could click on the game. It would say the game name, how many achievements they've won out of how many, and how much gaming score they had out of how much. And then you could click through, and it would just show you. I think it just had the date of the unlock against each achievement if you'd unlock them and then nothing if you hadn't. But I sort of right-clicked and viewed the source. If anyone's ever wanted to see how websites work, you can just right-click and in your browser and click view source, and it shows you all the HTML, which is what builds the page. And hidden in that HTML was actually a bit more information. So it had the full timestamp of the unlock. Right. Um, so you could actually see down to the millisecond when they'd unlocked the achievement. Uh, which actually became very handy later on when people started cheating <laughs> on their Xboxes and, and hacking the achievements unlocked because they didn't have millisecond times. So that was very useful data, but people didn't realize that that data was even there because looking at the page, you couldn't see it, it just had the date. So I started, I wrote a scraper 
and I started pulling in data and I just pulled in all of my friends. Uh, I had about 50 friends on Xbox Live at the time. It was relatively early on. Um, and I pulled in all the data and it's built a little database and I could see all the games, I could see all the achievements. So I had like four basic tables and I knew at that point that the formula sort of worked. I worked it out. The TA ratio would be a multiplier of the gamer score because I wanted to keep the gamer score that the developers had assigned to an achievement as the base score yeah. for that for that achievement. I thought that was fair. The developers had chosen it for a reason. Um, so that's the base score for each achievement. And then I came up with a ratio. And initially it was just I divided the number of people that um, had the achievement by the number of people that had the game and then multiplied it up. But that was way too big. It ended up with some people. If if someone was the only person to have an achievement, yeah. then they'd have a ridiculous score. So it didn't really work. So I square rooted that. And then it, it sort of made sense and it worked really nicely. So I had the data. I had stuff scanning in. And then I needed to build a website to to allow people to see this wonderful new thing. Um, <laughs> so WordPress was a thing at the time, relatively yeah. early on in WordPress life. Uh, but I found there was maybe six different themes that you could download for free. So I downloaded one and I modified it a bit and um, built a terrible icon like logo. I had no development. I had no um, design skills at all. All my skills are in programming <laughs> and building databases and, and zero in the artistic side of development. So it looked like ass. <laughs> there's a, there's a picture up. If you look at the um, if you look at the history of True Achievements story. You'll see some pictures from the first design. It really did look pretty terrible, but it was functional. To be honest, every website looked terrible at that point. So, yeah, true. Um, some still do now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so people didn't really turn up to it and go, "Oh my god!" They went, "Oh, what's this?" Um, but back then, I don't even know really how Google worked. I don't think there was that much traffic that came to the site via search, really. I'm not really sure how it spread, but I told my friends about it. And then I added people that were high on the list. So at some point, there was a leaderboard somewhere that showed people. I think there was a, a site called mygamercard.net or something like that. And they yeah, had. Down, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. They had a leaderboard of like the, the top gamers. I think it was relatively small, but I remember plugging those guys in. And as soon as you plugged Stallion in, Obviously, my, my games database went from the 10 games that me and my friends have been playing <laughs> yeah. to suddenly I had hundreds of games. It was like, wow, now I've got an actual you know website with loads of content, so this is good. And I think maybe I submitted it to Google. And then once I started adding those those other people, and they didn't have to register, I could just track them by putting the tags in. So I went and found a load of tags, mainly to build up the, the games database so I'd have a record of everything. I think that because it built them a game page where you could see all your all your games. I think probably then if they started searching for their gamer tag in Google, TA would appear towards yeah. the top. And then you could you could see it and you could think, oh, I could I can register here. There's a list of my games. This is a nice interface. Actually, I can actually see it much better than I could on Xbox.com. And I think the initial initial part of the site success wasn't just down to the rescoring. It was the fact that it was easier to do things than it was on Xbox.com. Yeah, and a million cool. times easier on the console. I mean, the console was just a mess. The dash, <laughs> the blade <Yeah>. system. It <laughs> was. I mean, the, the achievements were obviously thrown in relatively late on because they weren't. I mean, the whole dash was pretty simple, simple compared to what it is now. So I think, yeah, I think gradually, it, it grew really, really slowly initially. 
but then, yeah, eventually it, it took off thanks to a few stories and a few articles that got published on various different websites and magazines. And uh, when it started out, was it, it wasn't like it is now with solutions or anything, was it? It was just literally you could see your achievements and... Yeah, it was very simple. So we didn't even have a forum because I'd been taught very well um, in my development, my web development career previous to being the IT manager, um, to build everything from scratch. Never trust a third party because you don't know how long that thing will exist for. Yeah. So everything I wrote, I did from scratch. So apart from the WordPress theme, which I nicked, and even that, I, I tweaked massively. So I didn't want to you know, just drop a forum plugin. I'm not even sure there were that many. Everything was built on PHP back then anyway. And <laughs> True Achievements isn't built on PHP. It's built on .NET because all of the companies I worked for were big Microsoft users. So everything was you know, .NET and Windows, um, yeah. IIS. So there wasn't any you know, ready, ready-made forum software I could just drop on. And, and have it work. So there was literally a single place, which was a contact us page, where people could send me an email basically if they <laughs> wanted something to be done. So the first, it became pretty clear that the first thing I needed to do was to build some forums. Um, and they went live in July. So the site went up in April, May, June, July. So three months it took me to write the forums. And that was pretty much, they were, as I say, they were coded from scratch. But I built in some nice features. So if you, uh, as you'll remember, if you posted a link to a game, it, it replaced the, the URL of the, the link with the actual game name. Yeah. So stuff like that, I could build on the fly as I built the forums. And then I don't think any other forum was doing stuff like that at the time. So it was quite neat, although there was only about 20 people using it. <laughs> um, that helped um, dramatically because suddenly the users that had been sending me emails could actually communicate with each other and they could suggest stuff and come up with cool ideas for the site. Yeah, and that's still going strong today. Exactly, that <laughs> that, that ethos continues. All right, so you've got yeah, the site running on some hooky <laughs> servers that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> no, um, they weren't hooky, they just weren't mine to use. <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> grown quite a bit now, so I'm guessing it doesn't still run on that same kind of setup, but I guess it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, so to be honest, it's probably not as big as people think. There's, I've invested more in power than scale. So we only have five servers, um, but the main one, the SQL Server, which is what powers the database, is an absolute beast, um, <laughs> and I upgrade that every couple of years. So every couple of years, you'll notice that we have a period of about four or five hours where we do downtime, and that's normally I – can, I can pretty much replace any of the other equipment without taking the website down because there's there's a backup uh, re- there's redundancy for every other system but the database itself that server is super expensive is 48 cores and 256 gig ram it's an absolute beast um, it costs more than half of our hosting cost just goes on that server but because it's so basically we, we are quite an unusual site in that we have a vast amount of data we're up to nearly a terabyte of data and we don't have a lot of pages that can be cached. Like everything, all the achievement scores get recalculated every day. And in order to do that recalculation, we need to process all the achievement wins. Yeah. And that achievement win table has 1.3 billion rows in it. So if you looked at a normal website, a sort of WordPressing thing, they've got a few files and maybe they've got, you know, a couple of hundred, as a maximum, they'd have a couple of hundred thousand forum posts. Yeah. 
or even like a million if you're talking some really popular um, website. But we got 1.4 billion <laughs> <laughs> uh, achievement rows, which get calculated each day. So that is that is massive. That server not only has it got a lot of power, it's got a lot of storage on it. It's got um, six uh, one terabyte SSD drives, so they're super expensive as well. Um, server braid. SSDs are, are really expensive. So that box is is the main one. And then we've got two web servers that run side by side. They're twins almost. So they're completely identical. Normally we have them both running, but if we want to do an update, we take one out, we update that server, and then we push it back in. And you might sometimes occasionally notice maybe a 10, 15 second delay when you're trying to hit TA. That's when we're flipping the servers in and out. But it means that we can roll stuff back. So if we do an update that breaks, we can immediately take that server out again and fix it. Um, and we've got one that's working fine. But it also means we can update those servers uh, without anyone noticing anything's going on. And then we've got two scanner servers, backups and email. So two other servers that are sort of general purpose where all the scanners run and our email services run. And then we, we back up our database and have a, a one-day-old backup ready to get stuff back from if anyone's deleted anything accidentally or anything like that so yeah it's a it's a reasonable setup but again i've built all that myself it's something that i'm quite proud of i know every single bit of the machinery that has <laughs> web services run on and everything else so you know I, because i've got experience in all those aspects of running a site it means i can optimize those things yeah in theory i've probably got a bit more experience than most people that run run a website because I've built every. I've written ninety nine percent of the lines of code, and I've also, you know, built the servers and and put every everything on them. So I, I know how it all works, which which means I can tie it all together quickly. Can you talk about like the challenges of trying to process all that one point whatever it is billion trillion, <laughs> and trillion. keeping yeah. page load times down? And, and like I know we get like. 3 million users a month and 20 million page mm. views. So that's a, a lot to be handling at one time. So it, Yeah, we're knocking on the door of 4 million users a month, actually, yep. uh, which could happen in the next two weeks, I would imagine. So, yeah, as I say, the, the, we're unusual in, in the – in like most websites could just cache every page. Yep. So they could have a version of every page on loads of different servers around the world. But because all of our pages are user-specific, uh, so if you look at your Gears of War – four page it's going to be very different to my gears of war four, four page because we've unlocked unlocked different achievements yeah so we can't just cache i can't serve you the same page that i serve to me which brings challenges so the key thing is to make sure our database is fast and we do that a few ways we, we do it by in, investing in really you know solid equipment um the fastest equipment we can afford but we also have a really good database design and about six months ago we redesigned some of it to to remove some of the columns that weren't really being used on some of the massive tables uh, just to speed things up a bit and the more you can store in memory of a database server the, the faster it will be so try and reduce um, a lot of the disk access and try and keep it as fast as possible the other thing for anyone that knows about databases is get having good indexes so you can effectively store another copy of a table, a database table, in a different order for speed. So we have some seriously quick indexes and, and well-performing indexes on, on our major on our major tables. It's not just the achievement win table. The the table that stores everybody's game record, that's fast as well. <laughs> that's got hundreds of millions of rows. So 
it's just it's just good design. I've been taught well, as I say, so <laughs> I, I know how to build stuff. And if we find that stuff's running slow, and we have a lot of monitoring in place to find slow running procedures or slow running pages, then we'll you know we've we've got the skills to analyze which bit of it is taking the time, and then to hopefully come up with a solution to fix that. Clever. Mm. Yeah, it's more of an iteration, really, because because it's been ten years. It's not like we suddenly go. We haven't suddenly realised that it's running really slowly. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, over, over, yeah. So, so you'll notice like one page seems to load really slowly, and then you'll spend a while looking at into why that might happen, and then whether whether we restructure something that will have a positive knock-on effect across the rest of the site normally. Yeah. So it's it's a sort of gradual iterative process, but every couple of months I try and have a look at stuff that's running slowly and see if we can improve it. I mean, some stuff we just can't improve. We've got to the nth degree of improving it already. So things like the, your gamer feed, you know, your your list of um, all your friends' items yep. that's on your homepage. That's that's actually really, really complicated to build. It probably doesn't look it when you look at it, but it's doing an awful lot of work to build that list. Um and we, we can't really get it below 0.1 second to, to do the work, which is a shame. But that's just the nature of that that complexity of that thing. We could um, – so I think Twitter works by writing everybody's timelines to all the different users. So every user, as soon as – let's say you're subscribed to – let's think of Elon Musk. Right. And Elon Musk does a tweet – I'm pretty sure that Twitter then writes his tweet to your specific timeline. So you will have a, you will have that Elon Musk tweet record will be on 12 million people's timelines. We just saw it once because it would be nuts for us to try (laughs) and do that. Um, But it means that Twitter is super fast. And at some point, if we were to get to the scale of Twitter, then we'd have to do something similar. But fortunately (laughs) or unfortunately, (laughs) I don't know how you look at that. We're not. I suppose does it cause any issues with like scalability? Because obviously you start off and you think you've got a database big enough, and then you realise that people are earning too many achievements and too many. Yeah, games. I mean, if we still had the servers that we started with, we wouldn't have a website. So, <laughs> you know, every, as I say, every every couple of years, I upgrade the database server, and every eighteen months, probably we look at upgrading the other bits of kit. Our main database server is currently called TA Server Nineteen, <laughs> so. That gives you a clue. We were on our 19th <laughs> server that we've had. I mean, to be honest, over it's probably eight years since the servers have been hosted. Oh, it would have been nine. Nine since they've been hosted at our UK data center. Uh, shout out to IOMart, who run our data center, actually. They're a very good company. We're on our 19th server with them. So stuff's been recycled out of the bottom, and then we get new higher spec stuff at the top. I suppose 19 over 10 years is not too bad. Yeah. But we are looking again to upgrade again the next year, or this year we're in now, aren't we? <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's on the cards. Going back to the early days, uh, once you got the site running, did you have any sort of aims for the site once it was running, or was it just originally intended just for you and some friends to have a look at? <sighs> that's a good question. It wasn't really because I wanted it to be a, a, like a comparison scoring. I wanted you to be able to look at, take your score and compare it to your friend's score. And say, right, I'm, although you've got a higher gamer score than, than me, I'm a better gamer than you because my TA is higher. That was the original thing. And that, obviously, that can apply to anyone. So the key was to get as many people signed up as possible without paying for it. There was no way I was going to invest any of my own money apart <laughs> from the server costs yeah. on marketing. I just didn't, I didn't really, I, A, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to market it. 
Um, and B, I just didn't have the cash. I didn't have the spare cash to do that sort of thing. So it was only ever going to grow through word of mouth anyway. But yeah, the whole idea was that that anyone could compare their score with any, with one of their friends and be better or worse than them and go, ha, ah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I beat you. So yeah, it was it was always intended to be for everyone. And then the joy of TA is the more people that sign up, the more accurate yeah, the, the uh, ratios become. So that is the thing that, that leads to confusion, I think, for some people when they sign up. I think it's far more stable now because we've got so many users. But back in the day, someone would sign up and then two days later, their score <laughs> had gone down even though they turned to the achievement. They'd be like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, so it's quite hard to try and explain all that stuff. And I'm not even sure we do it particularly well now. But I think there's enough people in the community to, <laughs> to explain that stuff for us um, now. But no, it was always intended to be for as many people as possible. It it just it just took some time to get there. <laughs> All right, uh, you touched on it earlier about um, you added the forums and suddenly started getting a bit more feedback about new features. Uh, just how much of an impact has the community had on shaping TA to what it is today? Massive, a huge impact. In fact, all of all of the impact really has been from the community suggestions. Uh, all of the good ideas for the site, I would say apart from the really massive stuff that people couldn't really suggest like Xbox store integration and things like that <laughs> yeah. have come from, have come from the forum. So the idea of someone being able to put a, a guide to a, an achievement, you know, probably the key part of TA, the key reason TA grew was, was because we had people writing guides. Yeah. Um, that came from a, that came from a forum suggestion. Achievement streaks came from a forum suggestion. Goals came from a forum suggestion. Um, you know, a friend feed, like a Facebook style, feed where you could see what everyone was doing came from suggestions so the entire site really has has evolved through people suggesting stuff and back then when i had my six months of not having to do too much work and but still being tied to a desk all day i could just people could suggest things and i could have it up and written and live within you know sometimes on the same day and i think those initial people that were on the site back then it was such a cool um environment to be a part of because it was almost like a challenge they'd say oh wouldn't it be cool if we could have a little trophy case to show off our favorite achievements and then i'd be like right let's see if i can get that up and written today yeah um and then you know the the delight on people's in people's posts when you said right okay that was a cool idea here it is and there was no other sites really doing that sort of thing i think that helped with the growth yeah. and i think that that became a cool word of mouth thing where people would say, man, this site's cool. If you come up with an idea of something you'd like, you put it in the thing and the, the lunatic guy who runs <laughs> it will write it for you. <laughs> um, so that was, that was awesome and, and a lot of fun. And I think that helps the growth massively that I had that time. I think if, if the travel company I worked for hadn't been bought out, I, I don't think any of that stuff would have been possible. I still, I still moved on to a different job after six months and Although my commute went down, my actual workload went up, right. so I have far more responsibility, and I just I didn't have as I didn't have the time that I could spend at work working on site stuff. So it was all a spare time thing from that point on. Um, so big up to my my wife <laughs> <laughs> who has allowed me to continue with all that stuff throughout that time. Yeah, I, to be fair, there was no way that any of us could have known how big it was eventually going to get. But I wanted I, I just enjoyed doing it. It felt like a a really rewarding thing to do yeah. to see people excited by, you know, stuff that you could turn around quickly. It was, it was a very unusual place to be for a developer. 
occasionally you'll get <clears throat> you know when you when you work as a, a developer normally you're in a big team and you write some stuff as part of a team and then it gets specced and then you do a little bit of it and you give it to the client and they say oh, i don't really like it yeah. <laughs> every time <laughs> so you work on it a bit more and then you do it and then it's sort of over you know sort of six months to a year a lot of the big developments take and you're, you're not solely responsible the clients have seen it throughout its development so they're not excited when it launches whereas this was completely the opposite it was just me it was you know i could get it done in a day or two days max and then everyone would go nuts because they had no idea they it was just a line of text it was never specs it was just someone said wouldn't it be cool if we could do this yeah and then there it was <laughs> not probably not how they envisaged and probably broken <laughs> initially because that's how it was but it was it was it was really fun and it still is really fun it's exactly the same for exactly the same reasons except as the the site's so much bigger now that it's harder to do you know massive unknown developments because we've done everything pretty much yeah. so um, we'll continue to add stuff and i think it has less impact now though and that's the only thing i take it um the, the time that you changed jobs and had less time was uh, the time that drunken coding became a thing yeah drunken coding <laughs> definitely became a thing around then um <laughs> so every friday the site so yeah so i was i was working in croydon I, I got a job as a technical director for um a travel software company so i'd gone from an actual travel agent where I ran everything to a, a firm that built travel software for lots of different people. Uh, but I had a big team to run and I was, you know, technical director was one of, one of the few people on the board, a really important job. And that ended up taking up, you know, it was a very long, it was quite often I'd be in the office late, still working on stuff. I had very big clients, EasyJet and Locust Holidays and various other big companies that were you know in communication with me every day and we were building stuff for them very demanding clients so it was quite stressful so to go home have a glass of wine and finally log onto the site um and see someone had suggested something it'd be like oh <laughs> someone suggested something cool and i wouldn't have the you know the eight hours of sat at my desk yeah. to work on this i'd have two or three hours to power through something <laughs> try and get it done so the wife would go to bed and i'd get the dev kit out and i'd start again and just try and code as quickly as possible have put some tunes on and yeah generally knock something half decent up but quite often it was again broken <laughs> as it went live and but that was the half the fun yeah. at that time it didn't really matter if it was slightly broken as long as i didn't break the entire website <laughs> i wrote a chat room in in four hours with three bottles of wine i think <laughs> And then, which is still the same code that is running today, which doesn't really work properly, but sort of just about does. <laughs> so you've obviously got the community posting suggestions and solutions, and then you've how surprising was it that people wanted to go even further and help out, and you know people wanted to moderate and write news and all that kind of stuff and help with the day to day of running of the site. Was it like initially hard to let people loose on your baby while you're not there? And that was, yeah, that was super hard. It became relatively obvious. I guess when we got to, I suppose after just over a year and we had over 20,000 members and people were posting in the forums, it became clear there were some sort of black hat SEO solutions which involved posting links to your website on different people's websites and blogs yeah. and things to try and get traffic back. So it became clear that we needed some sort of moderation in the forums. Plus, people are dicks. You know, some, <laughs> some, some people can be 
our initial like when it was just like 200 or 300 people posting in the forums everyone was so lovely to each other it's almost like we all knew each other yeah and as soon as it gets to sort of 20 30,000 people you're going to end up with some idiots and i guess as the internet matured and the users Im- went got younger and younger plus gaming is and you know anyone that's played call of duty online <laughs> will know <laughs> will know what the what the community can be like yeah. and i'm not tiring anyone you know everyone with the same brush especially not the ta community i think compared to a lot of gaming communities we are really welcoming and generally pretty chilled but there will be one or two when you've got 20,000 that are just there to cause trouble, to grief other people. It was before the word trolling had even really been a thing, I think. <laughs> Trolls. Maybe we, <laughs> we got some of them first <laughs> on TA. And so, any, you know, as I was at work, there was no way I could moderate the forums while I was working. So it became pretty clear that we needed a way to create a team effectively. Again, there was no tools for any of this stuff. I had to build it. Um, so, yeah, the first team we created was a moderation team to uh, basically just police the forums and the, and the chat room. And if people found content that they wanted removing or if there was dodgy links or abuse, then those guys would sort that out. And initially, it was super hard to, to give any sort of power, especially the moderation power, if you think about it, is probably the most powerful power you can have on the site you can yes. delete people's posts you can edit people's posts so i could edit one of your posts to make it sound like you said something completely <laughs> different to what you actually did um so initially i just gave it to one of my very close friends and clever jake who was uh very active in the forums at the time and i think i'd met him at an egx that year um, or if I hadn't met him before, it was really obvious from his posting in the forums that he was a very responsible, <laughs> upstanding member of the community. And there was a couple of others, like Drabic and you know some of those really early mods that were, were just obviously genuinely wonderful people. Uh, Otis Family, who I'd love to catch up with again. I don't know where he is these days. But yeah, so I built them some tools, and then they looked after the forums. And that was cool, and that took a lot of pressure off me, and I d- didn't really have to worry that people would be spamming everything or sending abuse everywhere so so that was cool and then we gradually built up other teams for other other things i think the news team came next and then the game info team um came after that so yeah it was i think the hardest one was giving it up for the moderators giving anyone power to delete stuff although it never actually deletes it it just flags it as deleted but even so it's still Yes, it still felt like a risk, yeah. <laughs> um, but it wasn't. It was fine, <laughs> and I should have known that. Really, but uh, it's all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, a question from Sean on Twitter. He asked, "At what point did you realize that the site was successful? Was it a certain number of active users, Microsoft recognition, or something else?" Yeah, I think successful in, is hard to define. Anyway, I especially over something that's you know taken 10 years to get to where it is now. It was lots of little things on the way, I guess. I'm not even sure where, whether I still consider it successful. I suppose, I suppose it is now. But um, there was a few things that really made me smile at the time. So we hit 5,000 registered users after around six months. But only five months later, we'd hit 20,000. And that I think that was quite a big deal. Yeah. So within a year, we'd reached 20,000. And it had really started to take off at that point and then we got our microsoft um xbox community developer license granted to us in december 2009 so that was 18 months after the site 
went live. And that that was a long old slog trying to get that. Talking to Microsoft at that point was really <laughs> difficult, especially when you've got a tiny website. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was it was proper tiny then. But someone had an idea to create a uh, a thread. So there was like a signature thread, please grant true achievements and Xbox community developer license because it will allow them to scrape or allow them to get hold of the achievement data and game data much better. Um, because at that time, as I as I mentioned, the scanners were just scraping Xbox.com for data. Yeah. And back then, as I said, everyone had a website that looked like <laughs> something that you'd find in the bin. Um, so Microsoft, just like everybody else, was redesigning it every six months. So every time they redesigned it, because I remember those days. the HTML changed, yeah. I'd have to rewrite the scanners. So all the scanners would just stop working. <laughs> Almost always when I was away. Yeah. Like almost without fail, they did it when I was away on some sort of holiday or some sort of family break or something. (laughs) So to get access to the community development license, we all thought, well, that, you know, that stops me having to rewrite the scanners every day because I'll have access to all this data. As it turned out, that didn't have the achievement data. It had all the game data. So I could see how far you'd got in a game and I could get your total gamer score and I could get um, the number of achievements you'd won in each game but I couldn't actually get the achievement data itself so it didn't particularly help <laughs> which was like a bit, of a bit of a blow so we still ended up scraping but we as soon as we got some dialogue going with Xbox it became much easier to to get that data because we, we figured out the best ways to do it between us so you can't expect Microsoft to just give up a load of stuff yeah. for you for your tiny little website <laughs> Uh, even though I was used to <laughs> used to sort of getting my way when you talked to me, it was like oh, painful. What do you mean? I've got five thousand users. <laughs> yeah, five thousand. <laughs> so they were the, probably the biggest company. Well, they were the biggest company in the world at that point. Yeah. Give me your data. <laughs> I remember they changed at one point. Didn't they change like the time coding or something like that for the timestamps? They used a different format. I remember that broke things for a little while. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah, it's just stuff. Until we got actual proper access to APIs, all of that was a little bit flaky and 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 prone to collapsing. I mean, the website would stay up; it's just that we wouldn't pull in people's data as quick, which or or at all for a time. Yeah. The most frustrating thing I think when the scanners went down is that regular users would be fine because they'd be used to it and they'd say, "Okay, well, we'll be back again in a minute or a week." But people, anyone that had signed up in that time, just would be sat there with a blank page. <laughs> yeah which is really obviously a terrible first impression for someone that's just signed up. What's this score I'm supposed to have? It just says zero. <laughs> that's quite depressing. Am I a terrible gamer after all? Um, so that was frustrating. But yeah, as I said, we got there in the end. Obviously, you mentioned that the site kind of quadrupled in its user base within five months. Did that growth of the site cause any problems in the early days? Um, yeah, so we had one... There was this website, a tech website called Joystick. Rest in peace. Um, that was all about all things tech, but especially games. And they did a feature on TA, and no one knew it was going to happen. Like, they didn't contact me in advance or anything. And I was down in the pub. It was a Friday <laughs> night. This was, I was still, yeah, this is going to be a recurring theme. It was a Friday night, and I was out after work in London. Like, I was literally a five minute walk from the office. And about eight o'clock, CJ rang me. So I've been in the pub for two hours, and I, I, as anyone that's been out with me will know, I, <laughs> tend well to, I tend to get a bit carried away <laughs> in the first couple of hours of being in a pub. So I was a little bit jolly, should we say. 
Um, and CJ rang me, which is incredibly unusual. I don't think he'd ever rung me before, uh, apart from when we were meeting up. He was like, oh, the website's down. I was like, really? So I checked it. I don't even think I could check it on my phone back then. Yeah, probably not, yeah. Maybe I could. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, well, I'm only five minutes around the corner. I'll go and have a look. Went in there, and not only was our website down, but it had taken out the website of the travel company. So I didn't really know what to do because I couldn't even access the server. There was so much traffic coming to it that it was I couldn't even you know remote onto it. So I had to go into the server room, which was freezing, and I was all mullered and uh, <laughs> I try and work out what to do. So I basically took the website offline uh, just so I could access the server. But there was so much traffic coming in. <laughs> um, there is a new story that I linked in the in the history of TA that that um, explains a little bit of what had happened. But unfortunately, joysticks no longer a thing, so I can't retrieve the original article, which is a real shame. But um, basically, they did a piece on TA, and then we'd gone from I think the most users we'd ever had sign up in a day was about 110, and that was on a really really busy day. Like we never had anything like that. And then within an hour of this story going up we'd had over 2,000 people try and register so not only did we have a load of traffic hitting the site the scanners were just going huh <laughs> 2,000 people um, so yeah and because we were still scraping each initial scan was really slow so the scanners all broke and then all the people were trying to access the website so that broke and then the database went well everyone's trying to hit me from all angles now I'm gonna break and the whole lot just went down it, pretty much the whole weekend it took to recover and I think I had at that point there was just one scanner, so I ended up adding some more. So all of the all of these little things that have come to hurt us or that hurt at the time have led to good things yeah. happening down the line. I mean, the idea of me thinking that any of this might happen in advance is—I um, don't know whether it seems—it seemed crazy at the time that I could ever, I could have anticipated this. But yeah. um, if they'd told me they were going to do it, then maybe I then maybe I could have prepared for it a little bit. I don't know what I would have done. I could have just <laughs> buy more equipment. Buy <laughs> another parent in the pub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just turn my phone off, maybe. <laughs> Close my eyes and pretend it wasn't happening. But that was cool. That so that felt like again, it felt like a moment of success. It was although everything broke, it was clear that there was demand. Yeah. Because people didn't read the story and think, oh well, I don't care about that. They actually read the story and thought, I'm gonna go and sign up on that. That sounds cool. Um, so that was that was awesome, and yet terrifying, and had to apologise to my my old boss that his website <laughs> had gone down for like four hours over the busiest period of a Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, but uh, yes, I, he didn't care. He'd just been bought out. He had, he had dollars <laughs> in the bank, planning <laughs> his own holiday. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what he was. Uh, speaking of uh, disasters, then. Oh. If anybody was on the site, they might remember the great TA hardware failure of 2010. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your memories of that? And uh, did you think the site was like going to be finished when that was happening? Or did you think, oh, were you confident that it'd be able to recover? No, I wasn't. I wasn't confident at all. So a tiny bit of background on this. Back then we had two servers. Oh, no, I think we just had one. We had one hosted server at IOMart. Um, so the same place we still have them now, but um, it was just one box with quite a lot of power and the scanners ran on it, the website ran on it, and the database ran on it, all on the same box. It had different drives in it, so it'd have the main drives that everything would run on day to day, and then it had a separate backup drive built into the system. So every night, it would write 
a backup of the database to the backup drive, uh, which is which is fine. The problem, and that's I assumed that would be okay. Obviously, this data warehouse place is a long way from my house, so there was no way for me to go and pick up a copy of that backup. And back then, internet see, speeds were so low that yeah. there was no way I could, you know, it would take me two weeks to pull that backup <laughs> file back to my house, uh, which would just never work anyway because at some point it would fail. So they were just sort of sat there. Um, and initially, I'd kept three backups. So I had, um, you know, a little bit of store. But as the, as the database grew and grew and grew, there was less room for storing that stuff. And to, to change the whole server to a bigger server was a bit, you know, a big expense at the time. It didn't mm-hmm. really seem necessary. So it got to the point where I only had one backup. But still, it was a backup's a backup. What more, what more <laughs> yeah, do you need? Yeah. Um, the problem comes when the site is actually backing itself up, which I think took about 20 minutes. So for that period, because there wasn't room for two backups to exist side by side, it would delete the original backup and then backup. So it was a, it was a very smooth automated yeah. procedure. I didn't, you know, I'd written something to do it, but once that was there, it was just done. So the problem came in that the hardware actually failed. The drive failed during the backup. So it just deleted the previous backup. And then it was writing the new backup, and then the hardware failed. And the whole RAID array broke, and I couldn't get it back. So the site went down. I didn't really know what had happened. I drove up to – I couldn't even access it. I drove up to the the hosting company. I took the drives out. I had to take my driver's license. I had to sign a load of forms just to be let in the building. <laughs> yeah. It was quite dramatic. Um, and then I had these disks, and I took them to a local – uh, PC or server specialist, and they said, you know, the RAID array is broken and one of the drives has gone down. And I had a type of RAID where it was built for speed. So it would write half of the data to one drive and half to the other so it could access stuff really quickly. But I didn't think that really mattered because I had a backup. Yeah. <laughs> I thought if anything broke, I've still got the backup. But obviously, the backup failed at the same time as everything else failing. So they said that they could try and restore some of the data for me, uh, which they did, and it was frighteningly expensive. I think it was just over a thousand pounds, which to me at the time was a lot of money. Yep. Um, and it was going to take like three or four days, and I had no way to tell people what was going on. So I think this was pre-Twitter. Yeah, there, there wasn't a Twitter or a Facebook. There wasn't a Twitter or anything else. So <laughs> I, I think I eventually I managed to. I, all my focus was on trying to get this data back. So I hadn't built a holding page because even that was a real effort to just try and do something like that. Yeah. Um, so everyone just didn't know what had happened. There was just no. I remember messaging you over Xbox Live. Like I didn't know you at the time, but like, uh, what's going on? Yeah, just everyone went, TA's down. By the way, just millions of messages saying TA's down. I know. I'm <laughs> so it was a complete disaster. Eventually, they managed to salvage. I think they managed to salvage about seventy percent of the data, and then I started rebuilding anything. So the. You know, we're fortunate, I guess, in that a lot of our data could be rebuilt. If we lost our 1.4 billion row table today, I could go and pull all that data back from Microsoft. Yeah. Over the, it, would, it would take a while, but over the next month, I could probably go and get all that back. The problem came with we lost some gamer records and we lost some forum posts and we lost some solutions, a lot of solutions, actually, which was, which was the key part of the site. So after about a week, I managed to get a site back up and running, but there was just tons of gaps. There was, you know, just errors every time people tried to click on things. And at that point, the TA community just, they were just incredible. So not only did loads of people donate their own money to help pay for the 
the backup recovery and a better server, which we eventually moved to not long after that. So I wasn't going to have that issue run again. <laughs> they also found a way to go in, into the Google cache yeah. and retrieve a load of the old walkthroughs, a load of the old solutions, and just repost them all. Yeah. So within probably a month, I mean, with this, I think the site was down for a week, maybe 10 days. But a month after that, they'd paid for the the backup recovery and they'd paid for the first month of a new server and they'd pretty much retrieved everything that was important um, back into the site. And I, I'd rewritten a load of scanner stuff to pull all the game data that we'd, we'd lost and all the achievement data that we'd lost. So really the community just was absolutely incredible. And that was while I was in my new job, my new stressful <laughs> job um, as well. So I was, I was nipping out at lunchtime down to the, server place to see how they were getting on it was it was really awful awful week but at the same time it it showed me how incredible the ta community had become and how resilient the concept of ta was that all those people just pulled together and no i wasn't i had a week where i pretty much didn't sleep i was working 24 7 trying to get the site back up it was it was my baby you know I, i cared so much about it at that time i'd put so much into it there was no way i wanted to let it go but yeah, that was horrendous. I recommend reading that story. We'll put a link to it in this pod notes. But yeah, it was awful. I'm sure I've heard you say before that like, you were physically sick once. It- I was, yeah. <laughs> when I realised, so the, I thought, okay, the drive's failed. We'll put a new drive in, and I'll restore the backup. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. I mean, it was you know it was horrible that the site was down and stuff, but I thought it was salvageable. And then it was only when I realised the backup was like five k. <laughs> it's supposed to be like 50 gig or something at the time. It's like 5k file. Um, so, oh yeah, that's right. So when I'd moved the server up there, I had a I had a copy from I think it was from four months before. So I had the entire database from four months before. But at that point, four months yeah. was you know a fifth of its life. It was a lot of a lot of time. And obviously, the most recent four months would have been the busiest four months. It was a lot of stuff. So I think I started with that as a. It was it was a sort of a piece piece everything together job. I had the bits that the server company had restored, and then I had the bits that I had from four months before, and it was trying to merge all that stuff together. And oh, it was awful. Yeah, I was physically sick when I realised the drive had failed because it was so much of my life. Yeah, um, I, I'd love to know how many hours that I'd invested into development of TA before then. But you can imagine if all that disappears before your eyes. Yeah. And this amazing place that I'd built where everybody <laughs> was happy and yeah, lovely. And happy people. <laughs> excited and it had all gone. It was, ah, oh, yeah. Um, have a read of that. It would, it would give you some idea of how awful that week was for me or two. It was horrendous. And then kind of a follow-up to that, or maybe it might have been another period from Daniel Tate on Twitter. Were there any times where you were cl- very close to throwing in the towel and closing down the site? If so, what caused it and what brought you back? Um, no, there, there hasn't been really. And that, that, I guess that would have been the closest to it, but there was no thought ever that I would do that. I would, the thought was I've built this before I can build it again. Um, there's a really interesting thing where as a developer, um, from 10 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, quite often stuff would go wrong after you'd built things and you'd lose something or it'd get deleted accidentally or something and you'd have to write it again the next day. And no matter what it was that you'd written the first time, you'd write something much better and do it three times as fast if you had to do it again the next day. Yeah. So 
because all the ideas had already been formed and everything, I knew that I could probably, even if I'd lost every, every single line of code, I could have rebuilt the whole lot much, much faster and probably much, much better uh, within a few weeks if I was starting again. So even, I, ju I just didn't want to lose the community because the community was so awesome. I met so many great people that there was no way I was going to give that up, even if I had to start again. It must have been quite touching at the time because I, I remember the response from the community and, like, say, people donating and the money thing was just cash. totally unexpected. Yeah. I just honestly, I had no. I think we had we might have had a. I don't even think we had a pro account. We had a donate on PayPal button. People would chuck you, you know, five dollars or ten dollars, and there was occasionally people that were ultra amazing. That I remember a couple of people once gave me a hundred dollars because they'd suggested something and I'd implemented it. But I think those guys were you know, family guys with really good jobs. Yeah. And that wasn't the vast majority of our user base at the time. A lot of people were very young gamers. So to to get back all of that cash that I spent for the for the backup um, recovery was utterly, you know, it really was emotional. It was, I just couldn't believe people would spend their their money that they wanted <laughs> to spend on games on, on helping TA get back to what it was, which is, yeah, it was, it was really emotional. Plus I hadn't slept for about a week. So I was, I was in the right old mess at that time, but yeah, it was it was amazing, and I'll never forget that. I remember for me, it was um, you didn't realize how much you used TA. Do you know when, when mm. it was down? Like a gaming changed for me that week, where like I couldn't look at solutions and stuff like that. it was crazy. Just how much I used TA and realized it that week. Yeah. So you mentioned you were still working full time, and even busier, more stressful job. Uh, how difficult was it trying to maintain this growing site and work full time, and a wife, I presume at the time, or girlfriend at least, yes. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, wife. No, we had our. In fact, we had our eleven year wedding anniversary at the weekend, so she was my wife the whole time. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I think. Thank you. No, <laughs> love my wife. Wonderful. <laughs> um, it was really, really hard, especially as you say, having a different job. And I'd gone from the the luxury of being able to work on the site during work hours, which was I realised is incredibly unusual. Ninety nine percent of other websites don't have that, so that was especially you know casual hobby websites like mine was at the time. It was really tough, and I. The, the the issue wasn't really that I didn't have as much time. It's that I was so drained at the end of the day of dealing with, you know, I had a team of 30 developers working under me. I was working with, you know, massive clients on the phone late at night sometimes. And the last thing you want to do is sit down and write code. Yeah. You, you know, I barely played games for about six months. You look at my TA score, you look at the history of my TA score, apart from there's a big hole where we lost all the data <laughs> <laughs> we just spoke about. Um but there's, yeah, there's a big hole. You can see my score just gradually decline over those three years as I worked my way up that business and got more and more responsibilities. So it was it was really, really hard. And I think you'll notice the growth probably wasn't as big. There were way less features getting added. And yeah, work was stressful. I was, I was not massively happy in my job. I mean, who is really happy in their job generally when you're working for other people and you've got clients? shouting at you and or management shouting at you i think you know work is work is not supposed to be fun <laughs> but i had this you know i had this site that was it wasn't making me as much money as um my real job was making me and not even close to it really but i thought that if i could devote 
all of my time back into TA, then maybe I could get it back up to that amount. Um, so that was that was the thinking when I actually quit. And it was a really hard decision because I was working with you know, friends and I'd helped grow that company a lot. Um, so I was invested in that company uh, emotionally and a lot of time that I put into it, but still not as much as I'd put into TA. And I don't think you get the opportunity to do something like that very often. Um, so I decided to go for it and it was hard because we'd just moved. So we had a mortgage. <laughs> we didn't have any kids then, but you know, it, it, fortunately my wife was working full time and she said, you know, I'll help support you and we'll, we'll get through it and you should give it a go. Um, I think that's what she said. <laughs> I, I, may have, I may have, <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I'm sure she knows what she said. No, she's been super supportive the whole time. So, I had we had another salary to fall back on if everything went pear shaped. Plus, I could have probably got another job. You know, I'd, I'd have a brilliant CV. I'd been working for some very successful companies that had been successful because of the work. Well, partly because of the work I've been involved in. So I had a good CV. Um, it was just the case of can I can I give it a go? <laughs> All right. So following on from that, at what point did you actually realise that TA could be like a, a viable business and support you? So I think it was, I don't actually think I put the date when I went full-time onto the onto the history of TA, but it was... I remember you like wanting to keep it a bit quiet because you didn't want to seem like, I don't know, it was like you, you kind of felt guilty that yeah. you were being implied by the sighters. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I made a song or dance about it. No. Um, I, I think I was fearful that people would think... I was just sort of cashing in on their. I def, we definitely had pro accounts by then. Yeah. And as soon as you ask people to pay money for something that they weren't paying for before, not that it was, you know, not that it was everybody had to pay. It was an entirely optional bonus yeah. thing, a pro account. I think I was worried that people would be, they just wouldn't want to pay. They, you know, that they'd think, oh well, I'm paying for you. I've got to go to work and <laughs> do my job and stuff and yet you get to sit here mucking around on a website and playing games all day because i'm giving you you know my 15 dollars a year so i was i was a little bit wary of shouting about it but i think it was at the start of 2013 so no it must have been the year before that 2012 that i went full-time so six years now um and the traffic was was big but i'd never the key um, revenue factor for all websites at that time was advertising revenue. And I'd never really spent any time because I found that stuff so boring, <laughs> which is really terrible. <laughs> I just wanted to write more features. So I never really invested any time in trying to get really good ad deals or anything like that. And the site wasn't big enough that we could go to EA or Ubisoft when they got a new game coming out and saying, please advertise on us. So we were reliant on networks, which we, which we still are, to, to be fair. So... I didn't really know if there was any upside in just talking to people about trying to get better deals. Yeah, I, I, I was focused on trying to grow the traffic. But actually, very quickly, once I started going and visiting ad networks and talking about TA and they saw my enthusiasm for it, they wanted us on board. So we ended up getting better deals almost immediately, which made a big difference because it, it took the pressure off then. I knew that I knew that the money was going to you know, I wouldn't. Be, we wouldn't be out of pocket eventually um, if I could keep it growing. So it was a gamble, but um, it, it it relatively quickly paid off. I think. Okay, so after you'd moved full time, what made you decide to look for an additional developer, and uh, 
work at for proper TGN office base? Uh, good question. So yeah, back then I was just working from home. <laughs> whenever I used to go, this is maybe remember. Whenever I used to go and see my old colleagues at work, and I used to see them quite a lot. They'd, office wasn't too far away every time i turn up they tells me how i was going on sitting in my pants working on the site all day they, they literally assumed i'd just sit there in my pants <laughs> doing a couple of lines of code playing games, doing a couple more lines of code um it wasn't quite like that but it is weird working from home as you'll know dave is quite especially when you don't have a boss it's probably different but when you don't have a boss and you're your own boss and you're working from home and you're a big into games and all you're reading about every day is games it's quite easy to get distracted by games <laughs> um so it was it was hard temptation it's quite i found it quite lonely having gone from a really busy office with you know constantly talking to people and having a massive team to work with and people on the phone all the time to just me sat there <laughs> in my pants <laughs> it got quite lonely so it was actually a bit of a bit of a bonus when um, I'd been I, I've put here when when Microsoft got in touch. I mean, I'd been in I'd been talking to various people at Microsoft for well since we got the community developer license, but there were very occasional calls, often with um, engineers rather than anyone that was high up or anything. But I did have a couple. I had had a couple of calls where I'd been speaking to someone that was. Um, higher up at Microsoft or higher up at Xbox anyway that wanted us to do some stuff together at some point and I proposed an app back when the 360 was around and as soon as the Xbox One was a thing and Snap Mode was a thing it was it became pretty clear to me that a TA app would be absolutely fantastic on the Xbox One so I got in more discussions with Microsoft about doing this and I think at that point, when we got the go-ahead, it was like, yeah, let's do this. It was obvious to me that I needed another person because I didn't really know how long an app was going to take to build. And for me to be doing that my entire time meant that the rest of the site was going to get nothing. No dev at all. Yeah. Uh, plus, I'm, I wasn't. I had no experience in building an app. Never built one. I didn't really know what languages were going to be involved. Not that that's a problem. I've learned languages all my life. But it was just, it felt like a thing that would be good to share yeah. Um and we had enough money to to pay for another developer and an office. So it seemed that rather than me sitting there on my own trying to work all this out it would be much more fun uh to get a dev, get an office and it would it would encourage me not only to get the app done but to actually treat it more like a a proper job rather than you know, just something I could do in between playing games. Uh, <laughs> and it meant I had to buy trousers for the first time in two years. <laughs> uh, so there's lots of expense in games. So, yeah, so that's when that happened. We got the office um, in a converted convent. We have a very unusual office. Uh, there was a convent that, in fact, my mum's, uh, my wife's dad went to a school there. Not far from where I live, about a 15-minute drive from where I live. Uh, so because it's a convent, all the office space is uh, made up of classrooms or bedrooms from the n- that the nuns used to sleep in. So it's a really quirky old building with lots of different sized rooms. And because of that, it's got loads of different companies that, that are based there. And we've got, uh, we've got a water salesman on one side. We've got a marriage counselor the other. Um, and we've gradually moved around 
in that building as we've grown so we've gone from a, a tiny office of that was just about big enough for two to a bigger office for three and now our office is big enough for four plus a streaming space so i love it there because it's, it's very close to me and jack lives literally next door <laughs> um ollie our latest developer lives a three minute walk away so uh it's a great location for all of us um it's right near three bridges station as well so that's got central links to brighton and to london and it's it's a good location for us i mean there's not hundreds of places to go out and stuff but we've got a pub next door which is lovely and well, so we've got all we need really <laughs> we've got a place that sells sandwiches next door so it's all good so the interesting thing about the app was that there was only one type of app so this is just after the Xbox One launched. I think we probably started developing it just before the Xbox One launched, maybe. We certainly had access to some of the documentation early on. And because it was such a new thing, and the Xbox One was going to be built on a, a Windowsy platform rather than its own custom OS that the 360 had, there was very little for us to go on. There was a, It was using a, a language called XAML, which I didn't really know anything about, and it had some custom Xboxy plugins that we had to use, but you could build it in Visual Studio, which is what we had built the website in. So I, I knew about the development environment, um, so that helped. I was already familiar with that. Uh, we had to pay for development Xbox Ones back then, <laughs> which yeah. were around £2,500, which was a hell of an expense. And then literally... It was weird because it's an Xbox One that's got like a big barcode thing, stuck a QR code thing on the back and a massive dev kit side on it. But apart under the stickers, it just looks like a normal <laughs> Xbox One. But the frustrating thing was we bought those and then two months later, they sent out two development ones for free to anyone that had <laughs> the development license. Oh, well, that's two and a half grand. I'm not getting back. But it was cool. And to have an actual machine that we could actually run our code on was amazing. It was like quite a emotional moment, just although the project looked like <laughs> it was just a, a page that popped up with an image in it. The initial time you ran that and it appeared on your console was absolutely amazing. So that was pretty cool. But there was no templates. They, they had um, four or five media apps that were around at the time. So there was a YouTube one. There, I think there might even have been a Twitch one. Yeah. But they were all very similar. A Vivo one. They were all very similar. All they did was stream video. So there was nothing that was like a properly interactive app which is what we were trying to build, which obviously take our data. And there was very little video on ours. It was just, um, you know, lots of words and tiles and game images and things like that. So there wasn't, they had a template, but it wasn't in any way suitable for what we were looking to provide. So we were, um, you know, break, breaking ground there, really. We had to develop a lot of the stuff from scratch. But we we did good. And we had weekly calls with Microsoft to see how we were getting on and answer any of our questions and I'm not really sure how long it probably took six months to develop and certify. I mean, the certification process is long and complicated and you have to, you know, they have a, a 30 odd things that you have to make sure you adhere to. And they test it at low network bandwidth. What happens if the internet goes down, your app has to handle all that stuff. What happens if no one signed in? What happens if you switch users? Uh, all of that stuff is quite complicated. You have to make sure the font sizes were a certain height. Um, so there was a lot of, of regulations and stuff, but the, as I say, Microsoft were amazing. They were very helpful. And working on the app meant that we got proper access to all the internal APIs. So we could access the achievement data directly and we could, you know, it, basically we rewrote the scanners again and they were 10 times faster than they were before. And that's no lie. That's no exaggeration. So we could scan 10 times as many people 
Um, and we could scale it up really nicely. So when we knew the app was launching, we added an extra five scanners. And even though we had, you know, I think there was a day we had over a thousand people register. Yeah. There was no, it, you know, it was not even a blip. It was just completely handled because we were, we were processing them so much faster and we had so many scanners running at the same time that it was just not a problem. And it was a completely seamless transition when the, when the app actually launched, which is pretty cool it compared was. to what it was when Joystick did that story. <laughs> it was a completely different experience. I remember the uh, like when somebody registered that time for the initial scan, you know, where you've got to go through, obviously, the, all the games and all the achievements went down from, like, minutes to, like, seconds. It was... Yeah. I mean, the first... The weird thing was, so we were scraping Xbox.com, but obviously, back in the day, the 360 hadn't been around that long. So, you know, even Stallion only had 100 games. Yeah. It wasn't like you had 5,000 games. And obviously, you get the list of games, and then you have to go through each one to get the achievements that are in that game. So the initial scans were, I mean, we'd do some testing and we'd we'd take out Stallion and he would be our example gamer, like worst case scenario or best case scenario, depending <laughs> on where you sit, and see how long that would take. And Stallion's, if you, there was a time when Stallion on our test server would take 10 minutes as an initial scan. So if you didn't have any of his data and he registered, it would take 10 minutes to pull all that in. And yeah, and we got that down to probably under 30 seconds. Okay. Um with the new with the new scanner stuff, plus everyone that was interested in achievements that had a massive score was probably already on the site by then. Yeah. So it's very unusual for us to get you know someone that never heard of TA that had a huge a number of achievements suddenly sign up. So yeah, the process is really streamlined now. All right, and then when the app launched, it was obviously an exciting time for you. I think you still got like the the moment the. First achievement. The first pop. achievement. Pop. Yeah, that was <laughs> amazing. Um, and it was also massive for the site. Uh, how difficult was it to develop? And are you happy with the final app once it released? Uh, it was, as I say, it was it was tricky because we were breaking new ground. But at the same time, we had all the help that we could need from Microsoft. So even with the time zone issue, so again, there was a lot of um, Microsoft are based in Redmond in the in the states, which is an eight hour time difference from us so it meant it was really difficult to have any sort of regular call but i'd come home and i'd have a call at about 6 p.m my time with with those guys over there and they were awesome and then we'd just save up our questions during the week and go through them all um on the call but actually once we got going and once we built one page that we were happy with we sort of almost copy and copied and pasted that and just changed the the calls that were coming we had to build the data interface from from our end too so the app itself is just effectively just a front end almost like a, a website but all that data is stored on ta servers still so you have to write an interface between the app and our database to, to do all that stuff and once we got once we'd solved the challenge of, of writing that api from our end and we'd solved the, the challenge of creating a single page in the app it went reasonably smoothly from that point on because all of the things were doing relatively similar things. I mean, there's a few bits where we write back. So if you rate an app, uh, rate a game in the app, we write that back to TA. It was a bit of work to make that work, but yeah, once we got going, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult, and I'm pretty happy with the final product. It, there was initially it was going to we intended it to be an app that we would release new versions of regularly, but not too long after we launched the app. They pushed everyone that was making apps over to using UWP, yeah. a universal Windows platform, and they don't support achievements on that. So if we were to release updates now, not only would we have to rewrite the app from scratch, we wouldn't be able to have any achievements in it. And for me, that was sort of the coolest thing about it. Yeah. 
um, it's, it's so meta. <laughs> yeah. We could have achievements in our app. I'm not sure if people care that much about that side of it anymore. And if we wanted to, we could start again and write the whole thing. But I'll probably come on to why we don't feel that's going to be massively beneficial after the next question because it's entirely to do with that. <laughs> okay. So obviously a big part of the app was the snapping feature. You could bring a guide up next to the game and Microsoft removed that. How disappointing was that for you? Uh, yeah, it was massively disappointing because really for me, that was the that was the way I used it the most. I would, I'd have the app open and then I'd have a game up and I could find any achievement for you know, the game I was playing and find a little guide, even play a video of the off of YouTube or anything from within the app while I was still playing the game in the main screen, which was, you know, that was massive yeah. uh, for me. That was, that was the coolest part of it. So when they removed that, it was a massive disappointment. Not only did it make three of our achievements <laughs> unobtainable <laughs> or discontinued, it, it took away a massive portion of it. So I don't think until they bring that back, which I have no idea if they have any plans to do that. I don't think they do. It's annoying because in theory, I know they the reason they removed it was to make the Xbox One more powerful because they took away all of the reliance on being able to run two programs concurrently um, to give more more grunt to the main the main game. I, I, I think they should be able to do it with the Xbox One X, yeah. really, because they've now got all that extra power back. Uh, if they did, if they were to bring that back, then we'd definitely look at doing another version, I think. But without that, I don't. I th- everyone's got two screens now. When we did, when we first did the app, people, I mean, tablets and phones were a thing, but not as many people used their phone as a second screen while playing. I think. I mean, they probably did, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. People are used to having their phone out while they're doing other things. Yeah. So it seems silly to try and. You know, it's much quicker for us to develop a page on the site and to put a new page up than it is for us to develop a, an app for the Xbox. Yeah. Um, and if people are use, accessing the website from their phone, it just seems much more straightforward to just do it on the phone, yeah. you know, on the website, which is on their phone. It must have been pretty cool seeing like the search through achievements thing next to, you know, kind of that was into the OS. So we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't know they were going to do that. And I don't know... I, 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 I sort of, we've had discussions with Microsoft about doing all sorts of things around the app and outside of the app, and you let yourself get carried away with it. Like there was, we when we made the promo video, there was talk that it was going to be shown off at Gamescom to coincide with the launch, or they were going to mention it on their E3 trailers, and you sort of get totally carried away with it. But you, you forget that, like if I, if someone says to me, "We can do something on," I'd love to do something on TA next week, and I say, "Okay, that sounds cool." We'll get it done. Although no one's ever said we'll get it done, but come back with a with a you know with a plan and, and we'll look at it. Then I make that decision and it, it happens next week. Yeah. At Xbox, there's so many people working on everything. In order to get you know, if someone says, "Oh yeah, do a little promo and we'll try and get it into the show," for me that means it's got a possibility <laughs> of being in the show. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, there's you know there's commercial factors here there's you can imagine ea and ubisoft or whoever saying you know we've got this trailer for a new game are you going to show that or are you going to show a free app that ta's done <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's, not, it's a no-brainer for them so yeah so when they said they were going to have uh, a search to achievements button on the on the on the achievement guide it was absolutely amazing so we wrote a little 
they call it a deep link. So you can click on that button and it will go to a specific page in the app. So we'd pull through the achievement ID and the game ID and then see if we had a solution for it and then pop it up. And that was totally cool. And I didn't really know they were going to do that. And even up to the point where they were asking for us to create the deep linking functionality, I didn't think it was going to happen because of everything else <laughs> that hadn't happened. So that was awesome. And then even more awesome than that, which I didn't know they were going to do, is leave that button on. And then if you didn't have the app installed, it would take you to the marketplace, download the app yeah, um, for free. So I was like, this is amazing. And our app downloads went absolutely nuts. Our traffic went through the roof for about four or five months while they left that in. And then they started getting a load of complaints from users because before that search true achievements button was there, it just said search for help. And that would open a Bing browser with um, the achievement name and the game name. Yeah. And we were top for all of those searches anyway, so we were still getting the traffic from it. But people didn't like the fact that they were going to have to install the app on their machine. They were being forced to. So our app went from being rated like 4.9 <laughs> on, the, on the Xbox Marketplace, like the best, the best rated app, I think, for at least a year after it was launched, to, to suddenly people going, I don't want to download this. Why am I being forced to download this? And giving us a one star. Yeah, And um, I thought that was really unfair because it wasn't really our decision that they would remove the other button <laughs> and put search your achievements in and force people to the to the marketplace if they didn't have it installed but we got a load of extra traffic and users from it so swings and roundabouts i guess but yeah all right so if you're looking at the app and you hear me saying oh it's the highest rated app on xbox <laughs> um it was for a long time until until microsoft changed that button <laughs> uh, and then people got cross but it wasn't really anything it's nothing to do with the app it's just because they were being forced to download it rather than being sent to the to the web. So they've removed that now. Unless you have the app installed. I think if you've got the app installed, does it still work? Yeah, it still shows up, yeah. Okay, cool. So install the app if you haven't got the app installed. And then when you go to the achievement guide and you look at an achievement, you can search for help uh, on the app and it will take you straight to the solution page. Ooh. Still use that now. Well worth it. Uh, so obviously a downside of the snap being removed was that we had three achievements tied to it. So were you like embarrassed or annoyed that like as an achievement site, we had three unobtainable achievements in the app? I, I was, it felt like it was far enough after the main launch that it, that people that really wanted to complete it would have already done it. Yeah. So I wasn't that annoyed, although we, we, you know, we were getting messages every (laughs) couple of weeks, probably from people saying, I want to be able to unlock these. So we started looking into how easy it was to, um, replace them and and to be fair at Microsoft um, they had a change of um, some people that, that were involved with helping us with the app at, at that time so there was a bit of a crossover period where we didn't do anything logging into that stuff was something that we hadn't done for a while so you know it's relearning how all the stuff works and all that sort of jazz so it was it was mildly embarrassing but it was more of it was quite a lot of effort to get it sorted from our point of view and my effort was spent more on you know, features for the site and training up developers and all the other stuff rather than getting them fixed, which is probably wrong. But at some point you have to focus on your priorities. So we felt it would be cool to fix it for the 10th birthday as a as sort of part of that celebration. Um, so I'm pleased that they're finally sorted now. Yeah, and the response was really positive. On, uh, it was really positive. It was crazy. Although I think some people thought you could fix the achievements in other games as well now. So <laughs> I think they're in loads of unobtainable to some list. I know, people say, can you fix the YouTube one now, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so moving on. 
Another question from Twitter, 2K of Awesome. How large is the TA staff paid or volunteers or a mixture? Okay, good question. So there are 10 different teams on the site, uh, all volunteer teams. So there's investigations that uh, look at if you've cheated, if you've got cheated games on your gamertag. Uh, there are walkthroughs. Uh, who got, who are the guys that are in charge of allocating and proofing and publishing the the full game walkthroughs that the staff do that uh, the community do? Uh, we've got a genre team that is entirely uh, devoted to setting genres for the games. When we changed to a multi-genre system, that became necessary because uh, some of the games can have you know up to five different genres. So it's important that we've got some consistency in setting those up. We've got a game info team. They're massive. They're probably the biggest team. They do uh, all of the setting up of the flags, all of the setting up of the game information, so the release dates, the publishers, developers, uh, all of the different regional variations of the game. So we'll store different... If a game has a different name in Mexico to what it's got here, and some do, you'd be surprised, uh, they set all that information up as well. Uh, but flagging is probably one of the main things that they do. Uh, we've got reported content. though, guys uh, check to see if solutions have been plagiarized from anywhere or they get reports for that something's not appropriate then they'll remove those we've got an enormous news team those guys write all the news for the homepage and the features and the editorials and everything else that goes up on there uh, we've got a community events team which has become well it's grown actually in the last couple of years when we've been doing more and more community events which is probably the most popular thing we do, I would say, at the moment, our challenges and things like yeah. that. We've got a YouTube team. Those guys make the preview videos or a first-look videos and various other bits and bobs that they do. And we've got the moderation team that look after the forums, as I mentioned before. Um, and they are all volunteers. So I would say there's probably 80 people across all those teams. Some of them are in multiple teams. The ones that love to <laughs> you can't get enough of it are in multiple teams. And yeah, the the site wouldn't function without them. There's no way we could afford to pay that number of people to, to work on it. We'd go out of business within a month. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful. I can't emphasize how grateful I am to those guys for putting in the hours that they do. I'm assuming most of them enjoy the stuff. That's why they do it. And they get a reward from it, from seeing the community love their work uh, at times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those guys are amazing. Then we've got five... Five full-time played people, including me. So, uh, me. <laughs> and then we've got Jack and Ollie, developers. We've got Rebecca, who's the news hound, punky, punky liar, who runs all the news team, news manager. And then we've got you, Dave. Yeah. Wonderful Dave, <laughs> doing social things and all sorts of other complicated stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, five full-time and about 80 volunteers. Do you find it easier or hard being a boss and running a company? It's hard. It's not easy at all. I've... I've gone from running a team of developers with very little response. I mean, you've got responsibility in your role, but you don't have the responsibility of making sure people get paid and can pay their bills and pay their mortgages every month. And that's a, a real, it's an interesting thing to have to get your brain around. Yeah. That you, you know, your business decision could affect people's livelihoods. Is It's a lot of responsibility, but I've, I've grown into it and we've done it slowly. So we've gradually grown and grown. And I've only employed people when I think the company can support it. We've never taken a gamble. We've never taken outside investment to, you know, uh, angel investors to go and grow, do stuff that we can't really afford to do. We've, I've taken it slow and steady. And then if there's 
money that I feel would be beneficial for us to invest in more people, then we do it. But it's still a small family. It feels like a family yeah. company. It's, you know, it's only a few of us. The hardest thing is is remote managing. So two of Dave and Rebecca both work from home, and that's I find that quite hard to manage because they both just sort of get on with their jobs. <laughs> um, but it's nice to to have everybody face to face at times, and that that is tricky. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's, it's it's no problem managing the guys in the office. That's that's fine. I'm used to I'm used to managing people, so that's not not been a problem. It's it's the more the managing the company side, you know, making sure payroll is done and taxes are done and VAT returns are done. Which <laughs> all the boring stuff that no one really wants. <laughs> I knew I'd mention VAT at some point. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, oh. Slack's a lifesaver, isn't it? <laughs> Slack is amazing. Yeah, so we've 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 got certain systems that we use for stuff, um, and Slack is we switched over to it from Skype around probably two years ago maybe feels like maybe yeah. not even that long ago yeah. uh but just the, the the way slack works with its channels and its search facilities and uh the way you can just paste any link in and it's there and you can pin stuff it's just brilliant for us so that makes remote working much more manageable i don't know what we do without that <laughs> it would be a nightmare <laughs> mm, but it's good i love it okay uh what are the biggest challenges that come with running a site of ta size the challenges are around keeping the site up i guess um through the mishaps that we've already spoken about i've got into i've got reasonably good systems in place now the biggest challenge at the moment is going to be gdpr compliance which comes in in uh may which is europe's new data protection laws um they're going to involve us making quite a lot of i wouldn't say massive changes but um we need to think about how we process data much more we need to allow people to uh, remove any part of anything that we store on them that's personal information. We need a, a relatively easy way for that to be removed or even reported on. Um, and we need to log where all of our data comes from and where it goes and who has access to it. And we're also going to have to ask for permission for doing certain things. Um, unfortunately, the GDPR, although it's all been although we know when it's happening and we've got a general idea of what it is, a lot of the smaller details have yet to be ironed out they're still working on some of the policies so we don't even know exactly what we've got to do <laughs> for some of this stuff uh, but we're trying to put in place at least the process now so that we we have an idea of where we need to be the hardest thing for this is that i mean i think we're relatively tech savvy but this gdpr legislation is going to affect every single business in in the whole of europe so our hairdresser around the corner the guy that does my you know does the the tree cutting in our garden the everybody the sandwich shop around the corner all of those guys if they've got if they store any data at all are going to have to be gdp compliant and i think we're probably ahead of the curve in that at least we're thinking about it and we're we're working on stuff but i think those guys that are not technical are going to be the ones that um it's going to be more of a struggle with we are in an interesting position that we store an awful lot of data but not much of it is personally identifiable so although it you, you hear the 1.4 billion rows and you think blimey that's a lot of data to uh, have to have to manage those rows are not personally identifiable data um so that's that's a challenge apart from that everything's cool <laughs> i think we work on speed and performance and that sort of thing is important i think um we're looking at going fully responsive on the website soon. Uh, we haven't actually started that work yet, so that will be a big job. But 
the way the internet traffic has changed over the last five years, it used to be everyone on a desktop, especially 10 years ago. Everyone was using desktop to access TA. Um, now it's about 50-50 with mobile and tablet. So it's making the mobile site as good as it can be so that it's equally as good as the desktop site, which at the moment is not, and we're well aware of that. So that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge and making sure that we don't break <laughs> stuff when we do that. Because we are top. If you search for an achievement, Google or Bing, we will be top. And it's, you've got to be, we are, you know, a third, I think about a third of our traffic comes from search, maybe even 50%. So if we break any of that, it's going to be a big problem. So we need to be testing and, you know, lots of making small changes rather than making massive ones and making sure that we don't break anything while we do all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, what part of your job do you enjoy the most? Oh, that is a good question. I enjoy the fact that I can go to work and... I can think about games and I can think about bringing features to the sites that I know will make people happy. And it's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a weird job to have that I feel incredibly privileged. I like, I'll go away on holiday with my family and within two days, I want to be back in the office yeah. and that's no slight on my family. My family are <laughs> wonderful people, but especially if I'm sat there, cause like I'm not massive sunbathing fan. I find it quite dull. So if I'm lying there on a on a sunbed, I'm all I'm thinking about is how I can make the site better or what I can do to speed <laughs> it up or how I can so <laughs> or what games I could be playing. So I just want to be I want to be working on stuff all the time, which is odd uh, really. It's true. And I never I never really relax. I'm always thinking about the site. I'll be sending messages on Slack <laughs> to no one. <laughs> uh, just with like ideas that I've thought of. Even on the drive home, like, if I get stuck in traffic, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if we could do this. And that is that is the part of the job that I love. It's just that I can I'm almost at liberty to do whatever I want every day. Yeah. And that can include playing games if I wanted to, <laughs> to a degree. I've still got to run a business a, a little bit, but that's what I enjoy the most. I enjoy just being able to do stuff that's fun. I, I love coding. I love, even now, you know, even 20 years after starting writing software, I still love it. It's the thing I love doing the most. Yeah, it's, it's a privileged position, isn't it, when you actually enjoy? It the- is. It's, 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 um, and I'm, I'm well aware of how... You know, sometimes I go down the pub on a Friday night and I'm with all my wife's friends' husbands because she grew up around here and I didn't really know that many people. So all of my friends around here are, are husbands of them and they see me and the first thing they ask is, what you know, what game should I be playing? What, what have you been doing? How did you get on when you went to Ubisoft last week? And it's just stuff like that's amazing, really, to, to be able to do that stuff. And even the things like when I go to Ubisoft, for I went to play Far Cry 5 they've invited me there a couple of times in the last two months to play a build of Far Cry 5 and I'm sort of sitting there and I know that I'm playing it without a massive expectation that I'm going to go back and write a 5,000 word piece on it yeah whereas everybody else in that room has (laughs) you know has to go and go and do some work (laughs) afterwards I'm just there to enjoy it and I'm going to talk about it on the podcast for a bit and I can sort of get away with doing that because I know that you know, that's that's coverage, and to be fair, Far Cry 5 is the best game I've played in <laughs> about five years. So, uh, spoilers on, on that front. But that's pretty amazing as well. So I can actually enjoy the the publisher visits, you know, for what they are. I'm going to play a game really early. I'm like a little kid at Christmas. <laughs> uh, on the opposite side, is there any parts of the job that you don't like? Uh, 
the vac. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, you just got to put up with that sort of side of things. So accounts and all that stuff is boring. Um, no one in the world <laughs> enjoys that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not alone in this. But generally, no, I love I love all of it. Question from Twitter. I don't know. He said, is Hisith, what's one of the features that was really hard to develop? Oh, okay. So the hardest thing that we've had to develop, I reckon, is gaming sessions. <laughs> not because the functionality is massively complicated, which, to be fair, it is reasonably complicated now. There's, you know, with boost lists and only picking out certain achievements. The hardest thing is the time zones, <laughs> which I had no idea about. When I've ever, all the other work I'd ever done for was for UK companies. And everyone worked on one time zone, and that was it. So it didn't even occur to me when someone suggested, oh, you should do a way for people to meet up. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I put up this thing, wrote version one of it. And then people were like, well, I turned up at 10 p.m. and there was no one there. It's <laughs> like, so, oh, um, something's gone wrong then. And then I sort of, it sort of twigged on me. <laughs> and unfortunately, in .NET, there was no way to automatically change time zones so none of that none of that functionality was built into the code i was using and nothing was built into sql server for it either at the time so i had to manually download a load of time zone data from i can't even remember where i got it i just got a list of time zones and then in the back end i had a load of rules that would change the date for that time zone i didn't even think about daylight saving (laughs) so that all worked for about six months (laughs) and then all the clocks changed <laughs> so in the uk we and then even more confusingly we're not on the we're not we don't even all do it at the same time yeah. so america changed i think three weeks ago and we changed this weekend just gone so i had to build in a load of and it was all done manually a manual rule so if you're in this time zone and the date's <laughs> past this then adjust by one hour and do all this and it was honestly the most complicated thing in the world eventually dotnet released uh, a library for that stuff, which made it a lot easier. But that was version three <laughs> of the time zone data in the, in the system. But it, honestly, what a nightmare. And sometimes the rules will change. So I think there's, there's somewhere that changed, I think somewhere near Australia changed so that they were half an hour yeah. difference from Sydney or two and a half hours difference from Sydney. So all the, all the data that I'd stored, which is all based on integers of how many hours people were apart. I had to redo all of that code to allow for half an hour time zone differences. It was just a nightmare. Honestly, that that development, and weirdly, that's probably the development that's drawn the TA community together the most. We were quite unique with our gaming sessions stuff. I don't think anyone else was doing that. Um, You might call it looking for group these days. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was, although that was the hardest thing, and it was honestly, it was, super painful to write and took many iterations to get right it's probably the most rewarding because it's the i think it's probably the thing that's cemented the ta's community together people meeting up online to to just to unlock achievements and making that much so much easier for people than people posting in a forum has probably has probably done more than anything to cement the ta community together because you talk to people about achievements while you're trying to boost so um I think it's been a massive help. So well, well worth it. Okay, there's a, a really good video somewhere on YouTube. I'm going to put in the show notes of somebody trying to 
explain the problems with daylight savings. As it's, oh, it's just such a nightmare, honestly. Like people skipping quarter seconds at some point and stuff. It was, it was interesting. You should watch it. Um, next question is from Jesse Hill. Uh, you asked the community, so now reverse the roles. Out of everything on site, what were your favorite features to implement? Ooh. This is a good question. Okay, so uh, let me think of a few off the top of my head. When we did the site leaderboards for the first time and made them totally customizable, so you could choose the genre, you could choose the platform, you could choose everything else. Um, and then Jack made the headers look pretty. Yeah. And the first time those pages went out, I was like, oh, that looks good. <laughs> it's, it's more the fact that when my, or when there's sort of a, a perfect alignment. So when the community suggests something awesome, I build it and then Jack makes it look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Those three things work in perfect harmony. Um, stuff like the game collection stuff. I mean, that was that was really hard. Massive development. But those pages look awesome. The series pages yeah. are really cool. When we, re- when we redid Game of Goals, so that all of that page is totally um, Ajaxed in, it just all just pulls in data and you can search for your friends and and set little targets against them. All of that stuff was really good fun to do. So, yeah, to be honest, almost any major feature that we've worked on in the last five years has been fun to do, and I've enjoyed doing it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done it in the first place. There's very few things that are not fun. To be honest, the Xbox Store integration was a bit of a pain. Working with other people's data that isn't structured very well, <laughs> at least in in my eyes, is not structured very well, and then trying to fit into a well-structured database <laughs> uh, has been painful. But to be fair, Jack's... Jack's taken the load for most of that. He's done all the horrible work that used to frustrate me. So I can't, but it's so useful to be able to see sales and prices. Like the spring sales just gone up today and you can just, in one place, you can see all the games that you've, that are on sale now, what you exclude anything you've already got. And it's just, you know, see the ratings that TA is giving them, how long the completions take. It's just really, really useful data for people. So it was worth it. I think it's just, it is painful that stuff, <laughs> and then the worst thing is the bloody sales go on sale two a.m. our time. So even even trying to be around for it is a pain. <laughs> All right, as uh, so talking about adding new features, uh, the, probably the vast majority of the feedback we see when you add something new is generally positive. But uh, how do you react to negative feedback, and uh, is that something you've had to learn to accept over time? Yeah, it really has. So. Um, it became, I used to take it really personally if I'd done something and someone said I'd much prefer it the way it was. And this is by far the most common case when you do a redesign. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. And design is so subjective um, and people get used to using the site in a certain way and where links are going to be and where even, especially if you use a site all the time, you get used to where, you know, your mouse is already over the where you expect the button to be that you're about to click on that you want to use. So it became reasonably clear fairly early on whenever we changed anything design wise that you're going to have about a third of the people that are not going to like it and some of those people will be quite chilled about it and say oh yeah i'm not really sure i like it yet but i'll give it a couple of weeks and see how i feel and then some of them are like (laughs) (laughs) you're the worst human being that ever lived um screw you and screw your family (laughs) how could you break how could you break this wonderful website that i used to love i'm never going to give you a pro account money ever again and i'm taking my business elsewhere and you know and and for a while i took that really personally and i 
quite often. <laughs> I had a glass of wine and that's quite abusive fact. Oh, I can't do that anymore. But in fact, you can probably find me being horrible to uh, people that have been horrible to me if you delve deep enough into my post history. But, you know, I'm a responsible human being now. I can't, I can't do that. And I just tend to try not to look too much at the negative stuff. If there's features that are broken or features that don't work in the way people expect them to, then for sure we'll look at changing them. And quite often, um, for example, the filters that have just gone up for the um, the game and achievement pages, so you can now filter on loads of different things. Someone said, uh, this is this is all right, but it would be really handy to filter on release year of a game um, because I know you can do it because you do it for the game of the year voting and stuff like that. And um, that's really helpful. That's really positive feedback. Although they're not saying they love the feature, yeah. it's useful information for us to then go and build. And then Jack put that in that night. So that there's now a year drop down on the on the games list. Um, so you can search for release year, search for games in a release year, and stuff like that's brilliant. But I, I guess that's not negative. That's just constructive, um, constructive criticism, yeah. I suppose you'd call it. But yeah, uh, design wise, and the weirdest thing is. Anyone that's redesigned a website will know this. You work on it for a long time and you evolve it and you evolve it and then you evolve it. And then you've become used to that redesign work on test in the test systems that you're working on. So when you launch it, it doesn't feel like a big thing because you've, you, you know, you've already become aware of it. You're, you're very familiar with all the changes and, and you've made decisions for hopefully good reasons by, in why you've done a lot of the stuff. And whereas the pers- people you're showing it to have just gone from a completely different design to the new one without without any sort of gradual changeover and without any way to flip back. And I think, I don't know whether we change that and look at um, trialing a beta site or something, maybe for pro users or something when we look at going responsive and take feedback. The problem is that some people will give you negative feedback because they hate change. And that's not a criticism of people. Some people just don't like change. In fact, everybody, I think the human being is conditioned to like things to stay as they are. So I'm not even sure that's particularly helpful because you just end up with loads of, I don't think you'd ever change the website if you just listen to people because negative people will always be louder than the positive people no matter what you do. So I think for things like that, maybe you just got to get on with it and, and trust, trust you'll make the right decisions. But yeah, it's scary doing stuff. <laughs> so when we when we do look at making everything responsive this year, that's going to be a fun week when that launches. Yeah. But I think we're going to try and not change too much styling-wise. So we'll keep everything similar. It'll just be responsive, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Somebody's going to clip that up and put it back. It is a massive change. I know. I really should have said that. <laughs> um, are there any parts of the site that you wish you could change? Yes. There are. So the menus at the moment, I think, are way too complicated because we just, we've never had anyone that's a UX expert look at our website because there was, until probably three years ago, there was no such thing as a UX <laughs> expert. So stuff's just growing people's suggestions. We build the page and then we stick it on the menu. And then the menu now is, I mean, it's just way too cumbersome. There's so much stuff on there that I don't know how, I don't. I still don't really know the best way to organize it. I think you probably need to look at sites like Amazon that have vast numbers of pages, but there's so much functionality built into TA now that you want to you wanna have the menus as simple as possible, but you don't want to remove a way to get at the pages easily. And it's a really hard balance, and I think I'll probably invest in getting someone in who knows about that stuff to look at that because, it's, as I say, it's not my skill set at all. Yeah. I can just keep adding to the menus until <laughs> they're off the bottom of the page. And yeah, you yeah. can just scroll to find the things. <laughs> so that that I would change. I think 
and this is sort of tied to that as well. I would love it to be easier for people to to understand what we do and how to find the stuff they want to find easily when they register. I still think that's a massive issue. Uh, and we continue to grow, at a, you know, at a good rate every year. But I imagine I, I, what I really need to do is to find some people, uh, like a a group of people that have never heard of TA, but that like Xbox. If there is if there is anyone out there left, I just get them to sign up and watch them and see how they interact with the site and. It's so hard for, for me and you and anyone that's been on the site for a long time because we just know how it works. We know where stuff is and we know why things do what they do. So to have someone with a completely, you know, new new eyes on the site would be really interesting to see how they perform and how, how they cope with registering and then moving on from that point. So I would like all of that process to be much, much, much simpler. But that involves getting people in that, I don't actually know anyone that can do any of that stuff at the moment. So it will be interesting to do, get someone in with a fresh set of eyes. TA has grown without any sort of marketing at all. In your mind, what is it that made TA as successful as it is today? Well, originally I think it was the in, the interest in a scoring system that was different to Gamerscore and the leaderboards and that functionality. But I think now it's it's almost a mixture of all sorts of different things. People use TA. I think if we were just still a leaderboard, we'd, we'd just have the stallions and the Smirnovs and, you know, the real hardcore achievement hunters. But because we've added so much other stuff, we've now attracted far more, as you'd call it, casual fans, especially when we, um, when we launched the app, you noticed that a lot of ratios went up because a lot of users signed up for the first time that weren't hardcore achievement users. They just saw this app and they thought, well, that looks cool. I'm going to sign up and they maybe had, you know, a few thousand gamer score, played a lot of games, didn't complete many. So a lot of the ratios went up. And I think in order to, well, it wasn't in order to keep those guys, but at the same time, we'd been developing the news team. We'd, you know, been developing stuff like Gamer Goals and the friend feeds. And it was, it was more of a, not just everything is about earning achievements. It was more about creating an Xbox community. Yeah, And I think that is what has made, TA continue to grow. I think Gamerscore itself has changed as well. I think with the Xbox One X and the number of relatively easy completions, or at least easy, relatively easy Gamerscore that's available, I think you need to appeal to different things because I'm not sure Gamerscore is quite as rewarding as it was back back then. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think it's it's our ability to adapt to. Um, continue to to evolve the website and to listen to what our community wants and to do cool things like the community challenges and stuff like that i think it's yeah it's it's listening to people's ideas because as i say the original idea was just here's a new way of scoring stuff and everything else beyond that has come from the community so creating an ever evolution an ever evolving (laughs) ever evolving website thank you um (laughs) That's not easy to say. <laughs> has, has been what's helped. Okay. Uh, what part of TA or parts of TA makes you the most proud? The community, I think. So stuff like when we do – I I keep mentioning the community challenges because they're fresh in my mind. But for someone to come up with that idea, this is, this is a, 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 again, a, a perfect trinity of things. For someone to come up with an idea and for us to be able to write something – to track all of that stuff and make it work. And then for the amount of participation that happens after those two things come together, that's what makes me proud to see. Like when we announced the 10th birthday challenge, 
there was like 3,000 people that signed up to it within an hour. We were in the pub like, what? <laughs> Absolutely insane number of people that wanted to do it. And then they all just send me messages saying how much fun they're having. That's that's what makes me proud. And it's just a silly thing, isn't it? It's just not – it doesn't really mean <laughs> – it's just people having to spell something using achievement unlocks. It's the most bizarre <laughs> set of <laughs> circumstances. But it means people put in games that they – you know, haven't played for ages. Sometimes people send me a message saying, oh man, I needed a V for True Achievements and I put in this game that I haven't played for years and I've forgotten how brilliant <laughs> it was. Thank you so much for reminding me. It's like, I didn't really do any of that. It just sort of happened. Um, but that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And things like that make me proud. When I get, we do get quite a lot of nice messages as well as we get the odd horrible one. But most, the vast majority of things we get sent are really, really nice messages, which is, you know, that's going to make you proud no matter what. Yeah. But Moving towards the end now. TA, definitely over the past few years, it's kind of grown to be pretty well respected within the gaming industry. Do you still find it surprising when you introduce yourself at like Gamescom or something and people recognize the name or even say, oh, I use that site? I certainly did. I certainly did used to find that surprising. There was one time that I can't remember where we were. I think we were at EGX and I was just having some lunch and there was a table next to me of people that I didn't know at all. And they were talking about the ratio of achievement. <laughs> and that is just so weird. This was probably five years ago. To hear someone talking about how hard an, a, an achievement was because it had a really high ratio was just bizarre. But yeah, no, um, certainly... Was it Gamescom three years ago? We were doing the Gears of War thing and Jeff Rubenstein was there and I was wearing a TA <laughs> shirt and he just came over and was like, oh man, I really love the website. You did a great job on the app. And that was that was awesome. Even recently, we did an interview with Codemasters, and we were speaking to him, and he went, uh, I'll, I'll introduce yeah. you to like the game's designer, Rushy. But on yeah, Rush. He's um, on your site. He uses it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, whenever I talk to Microsoft, that's, that's the cool thing. So, so many people say, oh, yeah, we use that. We use TA all the time. It's like, wow. <laughs> that is amazing. So, yeah, it does. It's still... It's still surprises me how many people use it but less a bit less so now because it's going to sound really big headed but it has happened quite a bit that people say it so <laughs> i've sort of got used to it to a degree but it always puts a smile on my face never feel never feel shy of saying oh man i used to achieve this <laughs> that's that's an amazing feeling for me <laughs> all right and as a sort of like user what part of the site do you use the most uh i use the achievement guides the most probably that combined with the um friend feeds i would say see what my friends are playing comment on stuff um but yeah achievement guides are the thing especially when there's some sort of contest going on so we're both in the great true achievement score challenge finding stuff that i can play for easy score that's got a solution to it is the thing and i guess i guess the the lists so you know finding sorting by ratio on my achievements that i haven't won yeah to find stuff that I can rattle through nice and quickly is probably the stuff I use the most. And the news, obviously. It's the news every day. Now you've got even more filters to play with any game stuff as well. I know. Uh, filters galore. Question from Twitter from Goat for Smash. Okay. Are you aware just how much the site has changed people's lives? And it probably sounds a bit um, silly, but I've I've definitely known people who've met and, you know, I've been got together as a couple of things now from TA. So it, it definitely has done in lots of different ways yeah i'm aware of odd stories little stories that people have told me but probably not well obviously i don't know the the whole stories so i'd be interesting to hear goats 
goat for smashes story that if uh, if he feels that the site has changed i'm guessing he either knows people or it's changed his life i'd like to know his story but yeah there's there are, i hear stories occasionally of yeah life-changing events that have happened people have um been really down and then they've met people on gaming through gaming sessions or other features of the site and it sorted them out and i know of at least two or three people that have had big dramatic life changes and i guess me as well <laughs> to a degree um uh to the site so yeah i'm probably i'm not aware of how much but i know of certainly a few people where it's been quite a major event okay and then the last question is from tyler again on twitter in the site's first 10 years it went from start up to the world's leading xbox community where do you think the site can go in the next 10 years well i think if you stand still you go backwards so i want us to continue to be the world's leading xbox community but to be even bigger if you think how many people use xbox live every day or are on xbox live with even xbox like gold subscriptions there's got to be millions and millions of them and we don't have millions and millions of users signed up on ta yet uh so i would like everybody that uses their xbox to have an account on ta and to use ta as their go-to place for solutions i think there's plenty of growth potential out there uh we just gotta we've got gotta focus the site and get people in and get them using the site in in a way that isn't so ridiculously complicated that it turns them <laughs> off when they first sign up. So that's a focus. I think the site help stories that Dave's been doing is, is a big help and we'll point people towards those when they sign up now. I think that will really help. But yeah, so I, I see no reason why we can't continue to grow. More and more people are playing Xbox all the time. I think Microsoft had a sticky period with the launch of the Xbox One, but they've come through that now and they're, they're doing the right things. Xbox One X is an incredible console. So, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna still be around. We're gonna achieve, achievements aren't going away. I've been told, <laughs> <laughs> so we should be fine for at least another five years, and then ten years time. Wow, who knows where we'll be in ten years time? We'll have taken over the whole world. We'll be bigger than IGN by then. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Thank you to everybody that sent in questions. By the way, we've had a real fun time um, coming up with. Think, even thinking about all this stuff from before, I was getting quite emotional thinking about the day that the servers all died. It's been a, it's been a really good uh, exercise for me to, to look back and think think about all the stuff that we've done over the last 10 years. It has been a lot, an awful lot. So thank you to everyone that sent in questions, and um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And thanks for making TA rich. Oh, that's all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll see you for a normal pod next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.